0: Coming to you from
1: the Yard Dogs Podcast Studio. Studio. A show for the fans by the fans. (laughs) Talking all things Cleveland Browns. From our mic to your ears. To your ears. With your
2: hosts, Jason Hand and Mikey P.
1: yes and welcome to another episode of the yard dogs podcast a show for the fans by the fans i'm your host jason hand you can find me on twitter at browns huddle you can also find this podcast on twitter at yard dogs pod if you're a cleveland browns fan have a story to tell and want to share it hit us up on twitter our dms are wide open Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, give us a five-star review, and please share this show because sharing the show helps more than you'll ever know. We are streaming live on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. You can find us there at Yard Dogs Podcast wherever you listen to your favorite podcast just in case you can't catch the live show. Uh, While you're there, give, give us a follow so we can remind you every time a new episode is available. Joining me, is my co-host my co-pilot side dog in the yard right now you can see him he's there live mikey p you can find him on twitter at Mikey P. 422 mikey how we do tonight buddy
0: man we're doing great uh you know uh weather was a little sketchy this weekend and we got some snow come through uh virginia beach got about eight inches Uh but we got four really fun and exciting games uh was it the first three games? You know, came down to the wire, a field goal to win it, and then we had the fourth game was phenomenal. Went in overtime, so you couldn't ask for a better, better time to be in the house, keeping warm, watching some football. So excited to get in tonight and talk some Browns and how that all plays, you know, into the off season. And uh, we have some special guests joining us tonight too.
1: We do. And you're right. It did snow this weekend. We had some amazing football. We're going to talk about the divisional action that happened this this past weekend. Football was was great. The quarterback play was great. The games were perfect. I thought it was it was great matchups. And of course, there were winners and there were losers as well. Uh, Mikey P. I don't know if you know this or not, but a former Cleveland Brown. This is something that I did this weekend. I streamed it. Uh, a movie came out. Uh, a lot of people don't know about this, but Peyton Hillis, hmm. the former running back for the Cleveland Browns, the White Rhino, okay, had a movie that came out in select markets. Now I checked it. it; it didn't come out where I'm at. I actually DM'd Keith Migra, that was his co-host. Okay, that's right. I DM'd him. I have his cell phone number too. I can text him if I want to. That's- All right. You know what I'm saying, but I I, I big DM'd them. I'm big time, baby. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but uh, I DM'd Keith Meyer and Said, "Hey, man, I want to I want to watch this movie that that just came out, and you can watch it on Amazon Prime, which is what I did. You can rent it there for 48 hours. It's like six bucks or something okay. like that. I I encourage you to watch it. I, I thought it was pretty good. You know, uh, a little twist at the end. I'm not going to ruin it for everybody, but Peyton Hillis. With his acting debut with Keith Migra. it was it was a pretty good movie.
0: Okay, well hopefully he's a better actor than the uh, than Willie Mays Hayes was back
1: <laughs> in Major League too. So, <laughs> and, and Jim Brown he did some acting back he in the did. day. He did
0: a lot. He was actually in uh, I don't know if you remember he uh, he was in Mars Attacks. Like it had a cast of it was, te- it was one of those terrible movies supposed to be real campy. Uh huh. But Jim Brown Jim Brown was in it. that's the uh, movie I remember he was in I'm I'm gonna get you sucker. <laughs> um which was uh, a a great comedy movie done by the Wayans brothers uh back in the, like the early early 90s uh, late 80s it might even have been um Jim Brown's been around he's been in a bunch of movies
1: see you, you can get to hollywood you can. through cleveland you can totally do that Absolutely. like obj wanted to you know go to hollywood you know los angeles uh uh you, LeBron James, he wanted to go to the Lakers to be near the action. And, you know, of course, he was just in the movie, but you didn't have to do that. You can do that and still play for the Cleveland Browns. Absolutely.
0: A lot of people don't realize the, the first Avengers was filmed in Cleveland.
1: There, look at you with the facts there. Yeah. There you go, laying it down, man. Um, yeah, so go, go ahead and check that out. Uh, it's called The Hunting. And I have to warn you, 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 when you search the hunting, there's a lot of movies.
0: That, Are I going to get Goodwill Hunting?
1: Yes, there's a lot of movies with that uh, n- title. So uh, make sure that it's the one with Peyton Hillis. Uh, but, but go ahead and check that out. Great movie. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. As you said, Mikey P., we have a couple of special guests. the first time in Yard Dogs podcast history, we have two guests in one show. Did you know that? Of course you knew that. You've, you've been here the whole time.
0: Yeah, it's the first time I've experienced more than one guest. So
1: Yeah, so yeah, gonna this fun. is going to be fun tonight, Mikey I um, I don't know where this is going to go. We have some topics we're going to talk about, but we have Kevin McAndrews is going to join us, along with Mac Blank. They are in the waiting room. Um, we're going to bring him in one by one. Let's go ahead and do that. I'm going to bring in Kevin McAndrews first to the stream what is going on kevin mcandrews welcome to the yard dogs podcast
3: what's going on boys thanks for well, having
1: me man welcome to the show buddy
0: great or as we hear. like to say welcome to the yard
1: <laughs> welcome yeah. to the yard um let's go ahead and bring in mac blank here he is we're gonna add him to the what's stream on, guys what's happening
2: what's up thank you for having me on
1: well, it's a pleasure for you guys to be on. You know, we've we we've, we we are talking uh I don't know, maybe a month ago, we've been trying to line up our schedules and we finally got everything lined up. So, you know, this is a show for the fans by the fans. Mikey P. and I were were fans that just happened to host a podcast, and and our vision for this show was to bring Browns fans together, and that's what we're doing tonight. So we we have two guests. This is the first time we've ever done that. We have two guests live on the Yard Dogs podcast, so welcome to the show, guys. Um, Let's go ahead and start I want to find out, you guys both live in Ohio. Obviously, you're Browns fans. I, I want to talk about your Browns fandom. How long you've been a, a Browns fan? Who was the quarterback when you started following the Browns? Uh, we'll go ahead and start with you, Mac, Mac Blank.
2: Um. So... It, it kind of all depends. Now, granted, I was born in uh, 1995, uh, a couple months before the team had moved. So, um, you know, the quarterback that I know and I remember is Tim Couch. Now, I don't um, have really any recollection of the older teams, only the stories that my dad would tell me. But, um, you know, it was one of those things to where it was, it was always on the TV growing up. Um, and my first memory was actually the Browns losing in OT to the Philadelphia Eagles which was the, it, it was one of those things where I, I always laugh with my dad about it because um, especially it's more than relevant in talking football nowadays. But I always told him that it was never fair to Tim Couch because he would never be able to get the ball off, um, considering how many defenders would be in his face. So um, I've, I've always been a huge, huge Browns fan growing up. Um, now, granted, uh, from the Youngstown area, we have that weird mix of Steelers fans, which is, never a great thing and some of them are you know even within the family and that okay. gets even messier but um you know I I ended up um doing my senior thesis on the Cleveland Browns and it was I was thoroughly convinced as a child that they were a cursed team um so that was my theory uh, it turns out that they're not it was just a you know poorly managed throughout the years but Um, after high school, I ended up, uh, playing ball at Westminster college D3 in Pittsburgh. All my roommates, again, Steelers fans. So that was fun. Um, after that, I took the first job that got me here to Cleveland and I've been here for three years now.
1: Wow. So, so when you start following the Browns, Tim couch was the quarterback. I'm sure that you guys have seen him on Twitter. Uh, he's, he's helped announce a couple of games. I think during the preseason dude is still in shape. He looks like he can still play. Oh, yeah, back now, yeah. He, it looks like he can still play.
3: Oh, yeah. oh for sure. Yeah, actually when uh, uh my friend Reflog actually uh, tweeted about him, my app mentioned him, and uh, he favored it and retweeted it, and then he gave me a follow. So that was huge for me, you know.
1: Very nice. Well, Kevin McAndrews uh, also joined us on the Yard Dogs podcast. Why don't you go ahead and tell us about your Browns fandom, how it started, maybe he was the quarterback when you started following the Browns.
3: Sure. So I was born in '91, a couple of years before. Uh, my first memory of the Browns were my dad telling me that they didn't exist anymore. So that kind of that kind of put me in the mindset where I am nowadays. You know, that was kind of traumatizing. But my my first quarterback was also Tim Couch, uh, and I was I've been obsessed my whole life. Like I remember uh, Couch with the hail mary to Kevin Johnson. Uh, I remember uh, the run, William run, the famous play. Mm-hmm. Just before that, they stopped Mike Vick on the goal line stand. And uh, with, uh, uh, what was his name? Uh, Warren, uh, the big D tackle. Gerard Warren. Yep. And then uh, another one was, I was watching uh, Browns game with my grandpa, uh, my grandpa Roger, who was a big influence on me and uh, being a Browns fan. And uh, we are watching the Browns against the Chiefs, and uh, Dwayne Rudd threw his helmet, and uh, then they kicked that field goal, and my uh, grandpa Raj picked up a golf club and smashed the TV. So it was a great <laughs> upbringing, you know, a lot of ups and downs, you know, a lot of a lot of fun. But uh, yeah, actually, it's pretty funny because looking back then, uh, like that first when I, when I was eleven was the first time they made it to the playoffs and that's when kelly holcomb came in for an injured tim couch and like when you guys were saying tim couch he he might have he might be set the record for a quarterback that was hit the most you know throughout his career and he took um, a beating yeah and uh but he was just he was my he was my first browns jersey he was my Uh, Hero and then unfortunately that booing incident happened I remember watching that game and crying and yelling at the fans like they can hear me through the TV Why are you booing them? But you know, I was a kid, but uh, Yeah, just uh, Browns have always been a big part of my life. My whole family is Browns fans. We're all in the uh, right around the uh, 440 area code and uh, You know the Browns are just even throughout those years up to now with only one playoff win, which was 2020, uh, they're my favorite team across all sports. I lo- live and die by the Browns.
1: That is fantastic. You, you guys reminded me, my my dad gave me a Christmas present um, probably in 2003, somewhere around there. I'd say 2003. It was a, uh autographed football, and t- it was signed by two players. It was signed by Tim Couch, and the other player was Courtney Brown. My
3: second the, jersey.
1: What's that? My yeah.
3: second jersey after Couch.
1: Yep. Yeah, and it, what's, what's amazing about that is Tim Couch was the first overall selection in 1999, so he was the last... First overall selection in the 1900s, you could say, and Courtney Brown was the first overall selection in the year 2000. So he was the first one taken in 2000. So I was, I always thought that was special. I mean, plus it's Tim Couch and Courtney Brown. So uh, I, I will always cherish that that football. Still have it. It's in my sports room in a case, making sure it stays yeah. safe. Yeah,
3: Courtney Brown out of Penn State. You know, looking back at his highlights, you know, you would think why wouldn't we pick him? You know he was everything that you could ever want in the dn and unfortunately uh injuries just uh ruined his career you know it's one of those things you can't predict so
0: and and i don't know if you guys remember tim Couch used to be married to uh she was a playboy playmate her name was heather kozar which i yeah. was 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 kind of ironic that he <laughs> married a girl with the last name of kozar <laughs> wow uh. So I was like, yeah. when, he, when he was dating her, like when, he, when we drafted him, I was like, man, it's, it's meant to be. Tim Couch coming to the Browns. His, his future wife could be Kozar. Like,
3: we've had a couple quarterbacks that we thought it was meant to be, you know. Like Brady Quinn with the Browns jersey. And, yeah. Uh,
0: <laughs>
3: oh, the, <laughs> Quinn,
2: the Quinn hurt the most, man. I mean, I, I still remember exactly where I was in the car hearing that we traded up for the draft. I mean, there were all those pictures of him as a kid in a Browns jersey and everything. And everybody just thought it was meant to be. And, you know, that I, I, would, I, I would put the Quinn up there as like one of the, you, you know, now Grant, you know, he, he's a nice guy, but uh, probably one of the bigger disappointments out of all the Browns quarterbacks.
3: Yeah, for me, out of those, uh, I, I uh, uh, played football in high school and was uh, first team West Shore Conference for two years. And I ended up going to the University of Akron. And my experience was when we drafted Charlie Fry, and I was jumping up and down third round I was like, "Oh, we got our big Ben! We got our big Ben! Yeah. Your D's been fried. Let's do this!" And then, you know, then that opening game against Pittsburgh that one year, I think we lost forty-eight nothing. Wow. Yeah, it was the yeah, worst cool. the, the worst beating in uh, franchise history. So that took me down a couple pegs, you know.
1: Yeah, it brought us back down to reality, huh? Yeah, the the Brady
0: Quinn one was always one for me because I, I I like Brady Quinn a lot out of Notre Dame. I think the ultimate un, undoing for him was um, from his junior year to his what senior year he bulked up a lot and uh, he actually lost uh, his agility and he he just looked weird throwing the ball almost like he was like like he, his arm motion changed uh, and he never he never kind of recovered from that like he was just he struggled with his accuracy after that.
3: Yeah, and in college, his last game was actually against uh, the Ohio State University, and uh, oh, uh, sure. our boy AJ Hawk uh, ended up marrying his sister at the time. Correct. And they mm-hmm. went they went up against each other. That team that was the end. That was the last game of Troy Smith, Ted Junior, all those guys. AJ Hawk, uh, and uh, yeah, that was uh, that was a great game. And then when we draft them, just like you guys, I was tricked again. But you know, at the time, mm-hmm. like. Just like every uh, season, when I start, I mean, we went 0 and 16, and when we went 4 and 0 in the preseason, I was like, Super Bowl, here we go, Super Bowl. <laughs> and then they lose the first six. I'm like, Ah, oh, we still have a percentage chance to get in, you know. Kaiser can work this out, and I'm, you know. I'm just a homer.
0: <laughs> yeah, you you start looking at those guys, and you're like, I'm going to convince myself that they're a vi- they're a viable asset. Like, I'm just going to convince myself of that.
2: Oh, the, the worst part every year is just going through the percentages and the scenarios of what's going to happen to get him in, yeah. and it's just yeah. you, and you, you almost look like uh, Charlie from It's Always Sunny, yeah. where you're connecting all the notes together and you're you're I writing. That's Sylvia, Sylvia. No, yeah, there you is know, like know, Sylvia. Sylvia.
0: <laughs> he doesn't exist. all those people do and they want to know where their mail
1: is (laughs) all right well we are streaming live on facebook you can find us there at yard dogs podcast we are also streaming on youtube and twitter you can find us there at yard dogs pod Listener comments, uh, we we welcome them. Alicia is checking in on Facebook. We see she says, hey there, uh, best games this weekend. Yes, Alicia, best games this weekend. We are definitely going to talk about those games just a little later. So if you have a comment, go ahead and post it. And uh, when we see it, we'll go ahead and talk about it. Um, Let's get into some Browns headlines. This is going to go back a a, a little bit uh, earlier this week. I want to talk about Baker Wars. Like that's not talked about enough on Twitter. That seems to be on everybody's feed. I don't know about your guys, but it's all over my feed. Baker God. wars. You know, uh, if you're for Baker, you're being labeled labeled a Baker bro. Um, is, it, is it Baker bro? Yeah,
0: the Baker I, bros and the uh, I and mean, then it's just everybody else, I guess.
1: Yeah, uh, yes. which is weird to me, right? That that we're labeling. So I just, I'm sure you guys listen to the show. I'm in support of Baker. I'm also in support of the Browns. I want, I want nothing more than to see us, you know, go on back of our winning ways, get back to the playoffs. But let, let's talk about the Baker Wars. Um, you guys have seen on, um, what's that? Uh, spaces. Spaces. I don't know if you guys have been on there uh, on Spaces. Sure. Where, where do you guys sit with Baker Wars? And do you think it's fair that people are being labeled Baker Bros.? I'll start with you, Mac.
2: So my, my thing is that, uh, of course, you, you know, um, I've I've been a huge fan of Baker, but it, it kind of goes past that this season. Um, you, you know, you need to be realistic, and it needs to be team first. Um, you, you know, especially with his injury, um, you, you know, the, the first time his shoulder popped out wasn't even the big one because he came back in the game and he threw nine straight completions to win that game against Houston. Uh, the big one was week six. You know, he snapped his humorous bone in his shoulder. I mean, everybody's seen the picture. And it's probably one of the only times where I've watched football and I've almost, like, almost vomited just from seeing. Like, it was probably – it was just extremely gross. Just Like, it's still something that kind of, you know, sets up here. But um, Baker is going to be the best option going forward. Um, you, you know, they've already picked up his fifth-year option. Um, you know, any quarterback that's going to be an upgrade is going to require picks or, you know, more attention, um, you know, salary cap wise. And that's just not what the Browns would be able to do. Um, you, you know, you look at it, Jack Conklin's still not going to be back this year. I, I mean, maybe for the past, you know, last couple of games, you still need a right tackle. Um, you, you know, Jed Wills, his ankle still isn't a hundred percent. And we don't know if it's going to be a hundred percent and looking at it, especially, with what he put on tape uh, against, you know, against the Steelers, it's not very promising. And then you have the debacle with the wide receiver. room. So, you know, I, I'm always a big believer that it's team first, right? You, you know, you look at the San Francisco 49ers. Jimmy Garoppolo is, has, is 2-0 and right now in the postseason. He has yet to throw a touchdown. He's thrown two interceptions. And at some point, I mean, they look like the ugliest thing ever. But they have a team around. You know they have they have Debo Samuel they have great you know George Kittle um, they're able to run the ball and they're you know it, they can spread the ball out to multiple people get those yards after catch so um, you know to, to summarize up here I the cheapest and best option would be to go with Baker going forward and just upgrade the offs because you know let's just say for example you, you know all all those guys are right you know Baker isn't it. And he goes out there and he just stinks it up next year. Okay, now what? Now you have to go get a quarterback. Well, if you don't have the rest of the pieces around you, you're not going to win anyway. So you might as well just upgrade the rest of the roster, get some playmakers at wide receiver, shore up that offensive line, and just run it back because Baker has proven that he could be the guy. You know, when things are clicking and that and, you know, all pistons in that offensive engine are running, he can go. So there's no there's no reason to, you know, have him get that surgery, watch some film, take that cuff, cuff off, upgrade the offense, and let's run it.
1: Very good take, Mac. Well, I'm going to move to you, uh, Kevin McAndrews. What are your thoughts?
3: Yeah, my thoughts are, uh, no, I ride and die with uh, whoever the Browns quarterback is. And uh, with Baker, especially this last year, once he threw that pick and he had that awkward tackle, I thought he broke his spine, you know as he like dove head first, like with the crown of his helmet, it, it, it looked really bad. And um, as you were saying uh, that once the shoulder went out, you know, you can obviously tell that um, something's different this year. Uh, even in 2019, when they had a horrible coaching staff, he, he still, he played much better. You know, even the system where we, God forbid, we couldn't uh, convert inside the goal line that year, you know, just the coaching staff up the, uh, top to bottom was just, but, um, this year, you know, with his injuries, uh, you could just, you can tell that they were really affecting him. And unfortunately, uh, the OBJ stuff was going on. And, uh, I mean, he, he moved on, he's on, he's playing for LA right now, but there, there was just something still off about Baker. I mean, like the next game he threw, uh, I think it was It was, I think, I want to say it was, he had seven incompletions. Now, I'm not sure. I think it was 28 for 35, and four of those passes were dropped when we fell short against the uh, Steelers at home. Mm -hmm. I mean, he played a great game, but they couldn't establish uh, this offense. And, like, you guys, I mean, one thing people were like, well, run it, run it. That's our, run it. We got to run the ball. But to start off the season, a big part of the Browns' offense was having Kareem Hunt. I mean, people, like, it's just like, it it can't just, like, move into, you know, he's the receiving back option. And with both tackles down most weeks, we would have uh, a player who's played uh, guard or even center for most of his career have to be in those two tackle positions. Mm -hmm. So you're, I mean, you're down uh, early in the, uh, Hubbard went out week one, out for the year, and he's the backup tackle on both sides. Uh, then Conklin went down and then he came back and then he was out for the year. So, Mm -hmm. uh, for most of the season, we just didn't have the tackles. So even though in the stats, it would say, well, Chubb has five yards per carry. Why not just give it to him? But, uh, teams would stack up that box and then they would cover both the tight end options. And then the wide receivers one-on-one, you know, uh, the wide receivers just really (coughs) bugged me this year. I don't think it's all on. It's not all on Baker this past year. Uh, the offense no, couldn't be the same identity as last year because uh, we don't have Hunt. But earlier in the year, we did have Hunt, and I think we were four. We were four and two at one point in time. You know, played we great against the Chiefs, and then as soon as Baker had that scary injury, it it all went downhill from there.
0: No, hundred percent. It's it's a team sport. Like quarterback, it's a still it's a quarterback driven lead. Obviously, you got to have a, a good quarterback to be able to win. But if you're the team around you is is able to make key defensive stops. If you have a good special teams unit, like you can win games like see, um, see Kansas city this weekend. They won with 13 seconds. I know we'll get into that later, but see Kansas city. They won with 13 seconds left. Josh Allen played about as well as any quarterback could play. And they still lost like things are going to happen because they didn't have the defensive pieces um, to make, to make key stops when they needed to, they make the right defensive calls. It's just, it's such a, People get so focused on like if you bring in Aaron Rodgers here, you bring in uh, mm-hmm. Russell Wilson here that this team is. Uh, I saw somebody tweeted the other was like it was Martin Sismar tweeted whoever that guy is, <laughs> uh, tweeted that if uh, I can't, was it if the Browns had Aaron Rodgers, we would be seventeen and zero. And I'm like, no, no, we're not. I'm not no. going seventeen and like no. he's 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 on a better talented team right now. And they didn't go seventeen and zero. Yeah.
3: yeah. And, another, and a, another thing, like you were saying, uh, even this uh, past year, like special teams have always been a big part of it. And uh, like uh, Phil Dawson tweeted after those playoff games that how much a kicker is matters. important, you know? And it's like, wow. Say, and uh, this year with the Browns, I mean, just the kick off the year, uh, Gilliam dropped uh, the snap to him for a punt and he tried to run it for a first down. Now, I know he was confused because he's an ex- uh, rugby player and stuff like that but it was just so many things went wrong and in the nfl season you need a little bit of luck you need a little bit of luck on your side and we were in just about every game other than that uh arizona game but,
0: and new England's probably only two and, new england. yeah, and, <laughs> and new
3: england on the road but it's it's just you need you need a little bit of luck and you know they they were switching kickers they got rid of the punter and they brought on that veteran that uh Culkin that's 42 years old you know and there's just so many things to go wrong. You know, they just need to be uh better prepared. And another thing I think the Browns need to look into is um really, really look into uh who the training staff is and who's getting the players ready to be healthy for the season and stuff and throughout, because, you know, there were some games where I was like, why don't they just have Baker just rest or just have the surgery now, you know, but it's just, he's such a competitor and he's got that spirit. Like when he, uh, rolled out and you know he's got the broken arm. he's got the, the back that's bothering him and he rushed for that first down that we still we couldn't finish off against uh Pittsburgh or was it Pittsburgh he ran uh for the first down and we Yeah it's against we,
0: Pittsburgh. Yeah, yeah. we
3: felt we fell short, but he's up, he's getting the crowd all hyped up and it's just, you know, there we just need help on offense. And I think a big thing for this off season, like you guys were uh alluding to, we're gonna talk about uh, re signing Landry. I don't know uh, what your guys' thoughts are on it, but uh, I really think Landry was hurt for most of the season. Uh, he took a really bad hit right to his uh lower kidney area, and it, he just seemed like he wasn't the same player. But just in some situations, that one wildcat play and he scored a touchdown, I mean, he's a valuable asset. Uh, I mean, look, and then there's uh, what I call him Stone Hands McGee. Austin Hooper. I don't know what, what we're gonna do with that. You know, he gets paid way too much money to uh, be dropping footballs, you know. And maybe or maybe falling maybe, down or maybe dropping Nj- yeah. maybe yeah. Najoku's the option, you know.
2: Well, I mean, yeah. you know, even just looking at it, Harrison Bryant, you know, had a better year. Uh, I, I mean if you if you take it just from the stats, now granted, um, you know, DPJ had the had the best numbers. And he had a 58% catch catch percentage. Now, that wasn't even the worst on the team. Um, Anthony Schwartz at 43%. But the best on the team that wasn't a running back, because obviously you got to think of, you know, check down, swing passes, all that, uh, screens, all that good stuff, uh, was Harrison Bryant at 75%. And he's actually had some decent games here and there. And I, I'm, I'm, you know, you can put me on record here. That first Baltimore game, we would have won if Harrison Bryant was still in the game because he was a – and same thing with Njoku. You know, these guys are bigger guys and they can run a little bit. Now, granted, what does that say about the wide receiver core, core, you know, when our two tight ends are our absolute best options to, you know, beat the defense deep?
1: I, I think uh, losing OBJ hurt us in the sense that we we don't have a a down the field threat, someone that can spread a defense. You know, uh-huh. you mentioned Jarvis Landry, love the guy. I I hope he does stay. I don't know if he's going to stay or not, but I, I think the Browns definitely need to bring in somebody. We thought Anthony Schwartz was going to be that guy. Maybe he will be that guy. He's got to develop. He's very raw. Obviously, we saw this year. But uh, that's who I think the Browns need to bring in as far as the receiver is somebody that can, you know, keep those defense uh, backs honest. You know, uh, somebody that can spread the, the defense, and we just didn't have that guy after OBJ left. I thought.
3: Yeah, and also uh, when we're talking about the tight ends and how well they played, not including Hooper, you know, but, you know, the uh, the tight ends in the sets we were in with those replacement uh, guards playing tackle and we had the rookie Hudson from Cincinnati, uh, just my experience playing college football. Uh, a lot of those uh, plays where you need a little extra time, the tight ends not only have to run a route, they have to go down and block that end to keep them to the uh, tackles, you know. So they're doing... They, I mean, our tight ends this year were being just out, out. They had to outwork. They had to go that extra mile. And mm-hmm. I was really glad to finally see uh, David Nujoku uh, really step up. And uh, it, it was just really good to see because we had those rumors last year with the grounds uh, reporting and uh, MKC, Mary Kay Cabot, saying that he doesn't want to be a part of this team. And then this year he's just all in, you know, so it's just – you know, I'm getting kind of sick with the uh, media fighting against their own players, you know. This has, like, been a common thing since I started following the team. I don't know what your guys' thoughts are about that, the reporting, and then um, Dustin Fox.
0: Well, well uh, interesting you 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 bring that up. So today, Brian Windhorse uh, was on ESPN, and he ripped. He, he drug Cleveland media through the mud, and he's a former Cleveland media guy, and he said, why are they nonstop tweeting and talking about Baker Mayfield when they have the Cavs who are playing some of the best basketball that they've played in years and they are getting nothing, no type of media attention or anything? He's like, he's like, yeah, but, but these guys are spending every day tweeting something about Baker. He's like, he's like, you got a good team you can follow and, <laughs> and talk tweet, about, yeah. it. and you get paid to do that, and they're not doing it.
3: But they'll they'll do the tweets, you know. Oh, LeBron had to have his guys in the locker room with him before he went to go play at the Heat and stuff. You know, they just want to bring drama. That's all, and that that's what gets clicks for them. And, right. You know, I just it's like one thing with Mary Kay Cabot and um, Tony Grossi. Like the one thing I always say is, who hired them? Yeah. Like, how how long has this been going on? And they're just they're just it's the same two people, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's like is there just no other better options or do they have something held over the people that uh, let them publish and stuff? And it's just like, it's like with all this like backlash and stuff, it's not like people are going and like defending those two, even though they don't always have, it's not always negative to be fair to them. No, no, it's not always. My experience, the negative stories is what everyone drives to and everyone like clicks on and like pays attention to, but I mean, you're, your quarterback just had surgery, and they're they're going after him and stuff. It's like, what are you doing?
0: Well, you also have someone like Grossi who uh, recently tweeted out about uh, analytics and how the Browns were so heavily driven on going for it on fourth down instead of kicking the ball. And he was like, this is why you have to have a pro bowl elite-level kicker in your stable. And I was like, yes, you want those things. But the team that had the best kicker in the NFL, who's arguably Justin Tucker, also goes for it the most yeah so it's like they you, you you're they they do both so you never know like they're maybe they are going to go for it maybe they're going to kick it but they have either or an option to go off of where he's just like no you you, you kick it every time and i'm like <coughs> don't kick it every time because every scenario is different
3: yeah, and it's interesting because when we did kick it, we were missing field goals. So what do you what do you want out so of them, like, anyway. Yeah, yeah. Right. What's well, I mean? What are we doing here? It's like what? <laughs> it's like well, it worked last year, right? I mean, yeah. I didn't hear him complaining about Stefanski last year, other than uh, he tweeted out that the Pol- the Polish community and he's made like a wordplay joke on his last name, and he's like, oh, all the Polish people in Cleveland will love him and stuff, and not even give a background story on who he is as a coach and all the players that supported him. He just did a, a, a wordplay joke on his last name, and then that's it, the end. It's like, come on, dude.
1: And to, to be a little fair, I mean, Baker Mayfield is captivating. Like, it's not just our mm-hmm. local media market that's that's covering him. I mean, you got Colin Cowherd, I mean, ESPN. He, he is captivating. He, he's a popular t- topic. Um, I, I don't know why that is. He always has been ever since he was drafted. I mean, I don't remember another Browns QB that was more talked about. I mean, Johnny Manziel was talked about, but his it was pretty short career yeah. here in yeah. Cleveland. We, we uh, with the, uh,
3: the bad things, yeah.
1: <laughs> you know, so 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 Baker gets talked about. Does does Baker handle it right most of the time? I you know, I I have to be honest with you, and I'm a Baker supporter. I didn't like that he went to social media, you know, and, and liked Dustin Fox's tweet and then, Great. you know, tweeted about it. I, Personally, I don't think that, that he should have done that, but he did, and that's who he is, and that's one of the reasons why we like him is because he speaks his mind, he tells the truth. Um, he, he, B- Baker thinks a lot like fans do a lot of times. Like when he said, Jesus, Tony. I mean, <laughs> that's the, that's what Br- Brown's Twitter says that, you know. So um, to Barry to K. Cavus defense, Tony Gross. defense. I mean, Baker is he's a popular guy, and people like to talk about him. It gets, you know. That's what news is. Right. But
3: yeah, and I, mean, I just want to say with uh, Dustin Fox, you know, I, I'm, I, I love the guy. I just, it was just the tweet that just upset me. I mean, I, I've loved him since he won, he was a uh, number 37 and playing for the Buckeyes back in the day, you know? And uh, he even made the mention like, yeah, I played in seven games starting or whatever. I just didn't understand. Maybe the tweet was out of context. I don't know who riled him up. Maybe there was uh, something that got to him, but I love Dustin Fox and, um, him calling games with, uh, my, uh, my boy and friend, Michael Ray guy doing the Mac football games and stuff. You know, I mean, I love Dustin and, uh, maybe I sounded like I was just throwing shade at him, but it's just, the stories just start to untangle. And it's like, why, why are we having like this much drama and like the seat, like, like you said, the Cavs are finally back and better than ever, you know, let's do, yeah, Cavs. And, uh, Brad Doherty's calling the games and fucking Carr get that weak stuff out of here. But let's, they're all just focusing on Baker, you know, I, well, I don't,
1: you know, during the, during the divisional playoffs, you know, if you were looking at Brown's Twitter, I was looking at Brown's Twitter. there, There was a lot of tweets saying, why don't we have that? Why can't we have a quarterback like that? So I think Dustin Fox was just playing into the mood of Brown's Twitter that night. And he, he, he shot out a tweet he knew he was going to get a response from it. And he got just that. I, he probably had no idea that Baker Mayfield was going to <laughs> like his tweet. I mean, Oh my gosh. <laughs> and,
0: and I guarantee that people listening to his show the next day that normally probably don't listen. And they're wanting to, call, as soon as there's a call in segment, they're there, to call in, And, and that's what radio guys do. They, if you're like, they, they kind of have a stick. And even on, uh, you know, karma's kind of the, the Homer and Lima's kind of become the, the anti Homer. And, uh, what I do want to see is does Baker let this humble him because someone brought up a good point the other night about Joe Burrow like Joe Burrow's playing some elite football right now but he's been humbled twice in his career so far
4: mm-hmm. he was
0: humbled at Ohio State when he lost the job in Dwayne Haskins so he went went to lSU worked his butt off from from the first year he started it to the second year was like he 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 just got better um last year he tears his ACL misses the year he came back this year on a mission like does Baker take the injury and in this offseason like does does he look at it and say hey look I'm on a one-year prove-it deal this is probably the make or break for my career at this point as mm-hmm. being a, start, a consistent starter like did he does he let it humble him and that's where it was like him being on Twitter and saying all this stuff kind of bugs me a little bit um because he lets the guys like the Colin Cowherds and Dustin Fox get to him and like just exclude the noise, like let him, let him talk, like prove that shit on the field. And then, and then when you come out next year, you know, get back to how it was in 2020, where he's dropping little fun quips during like his interviews and stuff like that. Then that's when you can throw the shade.
3: Yeah, and like you said, it's Radio 101, and I didn't even think of that until you said it, you know? I mean, it's the oldest trick in the book, and you know what? Good on oh. Dustin Fox for doing that, you know? I didn't even think of that. he get more <laughs> people did, listening, definitely. you know? I just thought of that, you know? Big fan of Opie and Anthony growing up and them uh, fighting all their radio stations and stuff and, mm-hmm. and talking about Howard Stern and then the Stern fans listen to o and A. I I mean, I didn't even think of that until you said it. That's a brilliant observation on your part, my friend.
1: All right. Let, let's look at the other side here. We've been talking about Baker as being our starter for uh, for 2022. This was news today. The Vikings uh, held a second interview with Browns executive Quezzy Adolfo Menza. Did I murder his name? Did I get that right? You got it pretty, uh, yeah, pretty right. You nailed it. Quezzy. Could we just call him Quezzy? Uh, they, they are strongly considering now I haven't checked Twitter in the past hour. Maybe they've already hired them. I don't think they did, but I, I think I would have, my phone would have lit up like a Christmas tree and it didn't. Um, this is interesting because everybody's already talking about Kirk cousins. And we know that when trades happen, Mikey P you and I were talking pre-show part of what makes trades happen are relationships. Obviously Andrew Barry and Quezzy are tight. Andrew Barry brought him in here. Uh, but before he was with the Browns, he was with the 49ers for seven years. Before that, he was on Wall Street. Mm-hmm. Assuming that the Minnesota Vikings do hire Quezzy, which you know the Browns would get a compensatory pick, a third rounder for this year and next year. Do you think that that that's a stronger case that we could trade with Minnesota and bring in a Kirk Cousins? Uh, Mac, I'll start with you.
2: Yeah, it, it just – it doesn't make a lot of sense from the Browns' perspective uh, because it, especially, you know, a, a quarterback, like, it, trading for them, you're always going to overpay. Uh, I mean, it, like, uh, Stafford – now, grant, granted, you, you know, Matt Stafford's been one of the most talented quarterbacks to, to come into the league, but, you know, he was three first-round picks. Um, you, you know, you're hearing all of these offers, um, you know, that might be for Russ – or Aaron Rodgers, So, you, you know, you, if you take on um, cousins uh, cousins contract compared to Baker's, there's an extra 16 million in calf space. They still have to extend Ward. They still have to extend in Joku. You know, you have to pay Clowney or figure that out in free agency. They have to figure out the de- defensive tackle position. Oh, tackle depth. So it just, it, you know, and I, I feel like I'm just beating this dead horse. You know, you can't, especially for a quarterback to where, you know, his stats and a healthy Baker are almost exactly the same. So to give up all of what you are, you need to build a better roster just for, you know, such a lateral move, it just does not make a lot of sense. Um, Now, granted to your point, a big reason why trades happen is because of relationships. But um, I saw this earlier on my timeline, you, you know, so, um this um this front office personnel for for the browns is interviewing with the vikings he has been the talent scout for andrew barry so uh, one of their guidelines is, is that they're always constantly aligned, always within that same kind of thought process on where the team is going to go so if the front office wants cousins wouldn't that new gm want him to stay in minnesota and be his quarterback y- you know so it, there's just a there's a lot of um Now, granted, you know, Andrew Barry also said in his press conference that his job is to evaluate every single position. And if a guy like Aaron Rodgers comes along or a guy like Russell Wilson comes along and for some reason that trade clause is waived and the money makes sense and, you know, it does not hurt that hurt the Browns financially or that many in draft, you know, assets, he'll pull the trigger. But the, you know, the. The realistic part about all of this is that you know it's not mad. Like the, you're, they're not going to be able to make it happen without giving up uh, again all of that cap space and all of the assets. And you know, let's let's be real here. There are a lot of holes that need to be addressed this off season. So you know, to to give up some of that and put put your roster in jeopardy just for such a lateral move, it just does not make a lot of sense. And definitely something that I cannot see um you know, Andrew Barry making this offseason.
0: Awesome. Yeah. I mean, yeah, okay. you made a, a great point. Yeah. You made a great point
2: there with uh,
0: that. If, if the front office here wants him, and they hire the head scout to yeah. be their new GM, then when it makes sense that he would also want him also. So it makes a lot of sense. And we kind of talked about that on, before, before today's show too. Like it's, it's kind of a conundrum situation.
1: Well, and see, the thing about it is, is, he he already, he interviewed with Minnesota. The, obviously they talked about their plan. He already knows what the plan is. We just don't know. Right. So it's, it's interesting because he also knows what our plan is or what the direction we want to go. Right. So, so he, he, he has all the pieces of the puzzle. It's, it's, it is interesting. I don't know if there's anything there. Maybe we're reading too much into it. I am curious, though, Kevin, to know your thoughts on this.
3: Yeah, when it comes to the Vikings and him, uh, if he eventually does end up being, you know, there, uh, it just it it doesn't make sense to me. Just because, uh, look at the Vikings—they uh, cleaned house, you know, after this season and uh, got rid of the coaching staff, and uh, they're and since Stefanski has moved on, they they've been, you know, I mean, we beat them this past year, you know. And uh, they they just cleared that whole staff and stuff. I just, I don't think there's, like you were saying, we, I mean, we, we need a, we need a tackle that can be healthy throughout the year. re signed Ward, um, maybe potentially uh, secure a safety in that secondary that doesn't like. Uh, get out of the way when there's that big run up the middle, like Johnson had. But you know what? He made up for it the rest of the year. I don't know if you guys remember that. Like he kind of yeah, moved over like Detroit, you're in yeah. coverage, and I was like, "Oh my god, I've never been." So I had to delete all those tweets. Like, <laughs>
4: yeah, no, was... get
3: rid of them now. What is this happening? <laughs> no, are you in coverage or? T-? Yeah, so I was so pissed about that. But you know, there's and we don't have a D tackle right now. So, yes, I, I mean, go out and get this quarterback. I just don't. I don't think it makes sense to me right now. Or I can't. I just can't see it. You
1: know, see, but, see, and that's the that's the thing. We we don't know. Maybe the maybe Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski have already made up their mind. They're like, look, Baker's our guy. You know, he he just got a surgery on the nineteenth. He's going to heal up. He's going to be healthy by the season start. Maybe that's their plan. But Brown's Twitter seems to think that we're we're making a move to bring somebody else in and maybe that's the case we just don't know we're gonna have to let this play out but it is fun to talk about
0: i mean i mean does anybody talk about last week does anyone not see i mean aaron Rodgers, i i is elite he's an elite quarterback but he didn't look so elite against San Francisco when they were getting in his grill all night. Like
4: no. you, you
0: have to have protection at some point. Like even Tom Brady on Sunday, like the Rams in that f- his first three quarters were getting in his grill and it and it flushes. Like doesn't matter who you have at quarterback if if the protection's not there and you can't keep your quarterback upright. It's hard to win football games.
2: And you know maybe maybe I'm just a former offensive line offensive lineman, but it, it's just. I feel like that does not now. Granted, you know, in the in the grand scheme of things, you know, it, only the real buffs pay attention to the you know offense defensive lineman. But nobody seems to talk about how the Browns were top five of this year in sacks given forty nine sacks. That's more than big than Baker's twenty nineteen year, and that was with um, you know uh, a left tackle Greg Robinson that ended up getting picked up by the police near the border of Mexico. Right. For,
3: you know um
2: so like it, it's just you especially I think tj
1: tj watt got half of those the last game before. yeah <laughs> or, and,
2: there was there was nine in that game yeah and so you, you know the the obvious next question is okay so who's lead who led the league so that would have been the Bengals at 54 sacks so Everybody, you know, who's watched the playoffs, you know, this weekend, I feel like they were paying attention to the wrong thing because Cincinnati has the blueprint, Mm -hmm. right? You know, they were bottom of the division in the AFC North. How did they get to where they're at right now? Well, so they took their quarterback, they sat him in the film room, let him heal up, and then they found a dynamic wide receiver because when you can dump the ball off and just watch him go, that's one of the best things that you can ever do for a quarterback. So it's just – you know you can say what you want about the quarterback position but you having playmakers in that offense is going to be the best thing going forward because the ball has to move and once once the ball gets going and all the pistons are firing on the offense that's when the run game can, can get even better and we're not facing all those stacked boxes because they can't leave the wide receivers one-on-one i mean ever since the cincinnati game they, they were doubling up DPJ and they were playing tighter coverage because he was uh, the Browns' best wide receiver at that, at, at that point. So if you let him and Njoku get those one-on-one matchups, I mean, it's just better for everybody if they get that dynamic playmaker.
1: You know, and and some people are saying that, you know, Baker's not going to be able to get him the ball. I, I think that's hogwash. I mean, you, you got to get the guy. You, you can't not get the guy because you think Baker can't get him the ball, and it's ridiculous. He, he can get the wide receiver the ball. I mean, he has
2: the longest pass in this whole season. Does everybody forget about that? <laughs> the, the longest pass travel in the league this year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, everybody everybody forgets about And it's just – and it's crazy because in 2020 – not only was he a top ten quarterback rated by PFF, but he also was top three in deep ball accuracy. I mean, even this year he was he was top five in throws of forty plus yards with a with a cuff, with a, with literally a, a harness on his shoulder that was limiting his throwing motion, and he was still top five in forty yard completions. I mean, that's it's great. Where, that's where I tend to
0: listen to. Guys who actually played quarterback in the NFL and played at a high level, like Matt Hasselbeck said, he could have never have dreamed. Of it. He said, as soon as they would have put the harness on him, he would have shut himself down and had had the surgery. Drew Brees even said the same thing. He said, you can probably wear the harness, and and and. Uh, but he even said he noticed in games, you know, after he started wearing the harness, uh, and and after the injury you mentioned earlier, when it was against the Arizona game. Is when he noticed the biggest difference. Like there were certain things when he couldn't pull the trigger because of where his footwork was. Like he he relied so much, um, and and throwing the ball like requires so much torque. And when you don't have full torque in your body or full range in your body, like I don't care what anybody says, try go like you could shoot a basketball all day long, but hold your arm to your left side and try shooting that same basketball. Your, Your your motion changes, everything changes, and you just don't. Get used to that. Like it, it doesn't happen. Like you've been throwing it a certain way for years. Um, yeah, and I, the injury I, definitely played a factor. Now you can you can say that he should have shut himself down, and and the team should have done that. That that's another topic, but
1: mm-hmm. yeah, we can't get into that tonight.
3: <laughs> I re- and I really think throughout you know this year him uh, sticking through it, even though uh, he has a perfectly uh, well enough backup that has plenty of experience. I really think that just shows his, uh, his heart and his drive, you know, it's been said before, you know, and it's kind of hacky at this point, but he really is, you know, uh, even going into last week, that week 17 against the, uh, uh, Steelers last year, you know, Miles Garrett, let Baker talk to the guys and get them pumped up and same thing with the playoffs and stuff, you know, it's, it's really like, he is like the heart and soul of this team, you know, even though that you're hurting. I mean, uh, Miles Garrett, end of the year, I mean, he, he's running out on one leg and he's playing through it, you know? Yep. He's not getting the stats anymore, but he's like, I'm not gonna sit on the bench and let my guys go out there and uh, I'm, not, I'm not with them and stuff, you know? So there's a lot of that on this team where uh, we have a good core of guys who have a lot of pride and stuff, which which I love this, I haven't seen it throughout my life. and. You know, another thing is uh, DPJ had to move from the slot to uh, wide receiver one and two spot, uh, especially the weeks when Landry was out. And, um, you know, uh, what do you guys think about uh, Hollywood Higgins? Do you think of, uh, I mean, what happened? Like, I think Hollywood he just sat out. He just sat out and there was it said personal reasons, you know.
0: I, I think the thing with Hollywood is Stefanski preached from the time he got here, you got to work. And the knock on Hollywood since coming here was he doesn't work hard in practice. He's not a good blocking receiver. Um, and then this offense, if you're not going to do both of those things, it doesn't matter how good you are. You're not going to see the field consistently. He doesn't contribute anything on special
2: teams. Um, that too, yes. Because like, even Kevin Stavansky came out and said he, he, there was a couple situations where reporters were asking him, hey, where's, where's Hollywood? Why was he a healthy scratch? Well, he doesn't play special teams. So, you know, he's even just making it harder for himself at this point. So yeah. it's just and, – and part of the thing, and I'm, I'm sure you were getting to it, um, you know, Mikey here, but it's – especially for targets, it's all about consistency. So when your quarterback doesn't even know if you're going to play that week, that <laughs> obviously goes into it. Oh, yeah. but, I mean, you know, he used to be so reliable and then putting up the stats that he did this year at uh, 51 catch percent like it 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 was it was definitely one of the more disappointing things this season in terms of players that were were healthy
1: but just didn't you know produce on the field all right, well, let's get into the divisional round weekend guys fellas i'm I'm sure that all of all of you guys watched those games. It was very enjoyable. Um, maybe one of the best weekends of football that I've ever witnessed. Now, it would have been better if the Browns were in it. They weren't, but that's, you know, that's okay. Uh, Let's go through it. So, first, the the Bengals over the Titans. A lot of people Uh, didn't see that coming. I mean, the Titans uh, were the top seed, right, in the AFC. Is that right? They were the number number one they had to buy. They were the number one seed. (laughs) <laughs> they 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 were they, they had a bye, they, they were going to this game fresh, obviously they're at home, and Bengals came and shocked them with a victory nineteen to sixteen. Now this, this is hits home for us. They're in the same division. Guys, I don't know about you, but the Bengals are gonna be a problem for us for many years to come, in my opinion.
2: Oh yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. As long as Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow
2: they're yeah. They're it's just uh, I, I mean his Jamar Chase his release off the ball um the big the biggest knack that I saw is that I, I just thought that you know his his hands weren't there and it showed a lot especially in practice preseason but he somehow turned it on and that was that was my biggest blunders in terms of takes before the season um but yeah it's it's one of those things now granted we're lucky and another reason why we have to have the cap space that we have um because one of the guys that played that played like the best against Jamar Chase was Denzel Ward. And we have those kind of corners, especially with him and Greg Newsom, you know we have those corners that can match up against those kind of wide receivers. So I, I guess that kind of adds another frustration to it, especially since you know when we were fully healthy and they were playing all their starters about how well we played against you know the Bengals there. So
3: yeah. you know and
1: was, uh, go ahead. Go ahead.
3: We seem like a team that
2: we're, we're
3: better built for uh, the Bengals, like you're saying, with the secondary matchups and stuff like that. And um, we can we can hang on the mix and just by collapsing that and the linebackers committing to the run. Uh, if you remember uh, last year when we would get into shootout games, our, our linebackers, we would be on our second and third string linebackers throughout the entire season. Mm-hmm. Uh, and especially matching up the the big thing that's going to determine these next couple of years the Bengals look like they're on the up and it's going to be uh you know honestly is this the time for like Cleveland and Cincinnati to be that one two with uh Steelers now looking for they I I I hope and knock on wood I hope it takes them 20 years to find their next guy you know and with uh Baltimore they got uh Lamar you know and uh they'll have their running backs coming back so they'll still be a a really big part of this division but you know at the same time even with our off year uh we were able to split with Baltimore and we I think I mean we honestly I think we could have won both of them but it's just uh it's just an exciting time but that's what made this season so frustrating is just uh games we were supposed to win we just we didn't have that little bit of luck. We had the skill, but we didn't have that little bit of luck, you
0: know. Right, yeah, because you you finished what we finished eight and nine, two games go either way, and there was lots of games that could have gone either way, and and you're you're the AFC North champion, not the Bengals.
2: <laughs> exactly.
1: This is this is funny to me, you know a browns podcast can't cover other games in the playoffs because <laughs> the conversation's going to get right back to the browns and i love it. <laughs> we're talking about the Tennessee Titans, Bengals and now we're t- <laughs> It's awesome. It's awesome. Uh Derrick Henry came back this game wasn't enough. Uh you know, it wasn't enough. Joe Burrow sacked 9 times. Usually that's going to give you a L. They still came back with the with the victory. Hill
0: with three key picks that's that's yeah, that was the undoing that's... with Tannehill Hill with the uh, with the key picks and uh, I mean the Titans early on made kind of a blunder just going for two because uh, if they don't go for two like it changes the dynamic of kind of that in series of the game
3: yeah then Phil Dawson uh, trading out after the all the playoff games were done. See how important the kicker position is? And people just retweeted them Like, you know, he's pretty – he keeps to himself. But after he tweeted that, I was like, oh, yo he's got a point. Bill and my boy uh, Dave's ass class of 93, Bay High School, you know. Nah, uh, the one-two tandem.
0: It does have a point. And, and in fact uh, – He was a rookie. That's
2: the crazy part yeah. of that. The,
0: the next game, the 49ers and the Packers, if everybody remembers, like – even Fox during their tele, or was it was it Fox was on that game. Mm-hmm. was they were talking uh, about yeah, They were talking about how the, both special teams units had struggled all year. The 49ers special teams unit struggled and the Packers had struggled mightily with Mason Crosby. I think led the league in block kicks this year. Mm-hmm. He, he had a couple of key misses. Um and then it came down to, you know, a, a blocked field goal in the first half for the Packers, and then the, the blocked punt totally changed the game because San Francisco, they couldn't move the ball at all, uh, really, yeah. up, up until that point. And then, I mean, 13 points, you don't usually win. <laughs>
3: yeah. And like you said, they had they had no passing touchdowns.
0: None. Ball, you know? it's
3: like they had no game offensive game.
0: touchdowns incredible. At all. Incredible, yeah. It's incredible. Just that one special team's block for a touchdown. And
3: that's the difference.
1: You think Aaron Rodgers is done in Green Bay? You think he's moving on next year?
0: That's going to be an interesting one. I think he's done, if he doesn't have any type of, I call it creative control, within the players that are brought back or pro- players that are brought in. If he has no input there, I think he he will meticulate his way out. Aaron Rodgers is kind of an enigma of a guy anyways. Like He could just up and say, uh, Jeopardy's actually offered me a really sweet deal to, to host. I think I'm just going to walk away from football and and nobody would be like, it wouldn't shock. It wouldn't shock me.
3: Yeah. And Devonte Adams isn't re-signed. Well.
0: So, I mean, if the Adams, if they don't bring back, I mean, it sounds like they've already said that they've committed to franchise tagging him at that oh, okay. 20 million price. So mm-hmm. if, if they're bringing him back, it's got to, got to leave me to believe that they're going to try everything they can to get Rogers back too as well. Like, I don't right. see them bringing a thirty-year-old receiver back at a twenty-million-dollar price tag.
3: Hopefully they don't Jordan draft love out
0: there.
3: Hopefully they don't draft a uh, quarterback again in the first round like they did a couple <laughs> years ago. <laughs> <laughs> um. All
1: right, we 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 have some Facebook comments, and I promise we're going to get to them. They're they're talking about Browns fandom, and they're going back and forth. So we're we're gonna we have a yard dogs mailbag question that we'll get into at the end of the show so if you're listening to this live on Facebook we see your comments and we will get to them in just a couple minutes let's let's skip to the game of the week all right Chiefs uh and Bills the Chiefs defeated the Bills in what was the most amazing comeback I, I've ever witnessed on a football field I'm sitting there with my wife watching this game and and 13 seconds are left in the fourth quarter, and I turn to my wife, I'm like, this game's over, there's no way that, you know, Patrick Mahomes can come back, I mean, 13 seconds, guys, 13, and he ends up sending him into overtime, and of course we knew, I knew at that point, as soon as the Chiefs won the flip, the game was over, but what an amazing game, I mean, the quarterback play from Josh Allen and the, the receiving on both sides, this was, this was a high-scoring affair. I mean, they scored 78 points in this game, including in overtime. But what? Uh, let's start with you, Mac. What did you think about this football game? I'm assuming you watched it. What did you think oh, about yeah. this football so, game Sunday night? I,
2: two thoughts. Um, one, you <laughs> know, incredible. everybody on that defense owes Josh Allen and Gabriel Davis an apology. Uh, I mean, the, the fact that the guy set NFL history with the only guy in NFL history to get 4 TDs in a playoff game is absolutely mind-blowing but you know Buffalo to Buffalo's credit they went into the season and they knew what they had what they had to acquire which was pass rushers you, you know they have Ed Oliver um, I believe it's Rose, say, Rousseau um Russo. yeah yeah Russo that they had drafted but uh, I mean it was just it, it, it's it's clear um, you know, they couldn't, again, couldn't generate any pass rush. And the way how you need to beat quarterbacks like Patrick Mahomes is that you rush with four and you drop seven. And you you just pray to God that you get him <laughs> before he finds somebody wide open. They didn't, and he marched it down the field. I, I mean, the I never understood the whole, you, you know, both teams need to get the ball in OT. I mean, it's overtime for a reason. This is sudden death. This is this should be your priority to just. I, I mean, it's 13 seconds, two stops. <laughs> That's so, incredible. Yeah, it, it, was, it, it was it was it was mind boggling. Um, now, granted, I I wanted the the Bills to win. Um, I can't stand Jackson Mahomes or Brittany Matthews <laughs> to, you know, to oh. save my life, and that was oh. just seeing them cel- celebrate really kind of. Yeah, kind of tore me up inside a little bit um, in terms of frustration, but you know,
1: icing on the cake.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was the the, the icing on the crap cake um, that, that everybody that <laughs> yeah. wanted Buffalo to win had to eat. Um, but yeah, it, it's just two plays, 13 seconds to get the game tying field goal. Uh, I mean, you have to, even if you gamble there and miss um, you, you know, it, it's, they, I, they let them back in the game and that's what, that's what's going to happen. And you're going to, you know, you're going to lose every single time if you don't just at least try to get a. It, I don't know. It just seemed like when they were marching the defense out there that it was just a, oh, well, we're not going to give up the touchdown. They didn't have any awareness of just saying, hey, here's the line right here. And we need to dig our heels in because more than likely, I, I mean, Butker has been a solid kicker for years now. So Money. It wasn't like any kind of, you know, surprise that he was going to nail that. And it was, it, it was just really kind of a shocker to see that they gave they gave up, you know, three points within 13 seconds.
0: Yeah, and it took me back to last year when uh, the Browns were trying to get in the playoffs and we needed Oakland or we needed Las Vegas to lose to the Dolphins. And the Dolphins, mm-hmm. the Raiders came back and won the game with like 19 seconds left, and even that took a personal <laughs> foul penalty to get them in the field goal range, and I was like, 13 seconds, like, Dak Prescott couldn't even spike the ball with 14. There's no way they're going to come back <laughs> with 13 seconds left. And they tie the game, and it was just like the way the defense just – like it was almost like they were in Hail Mary defense. And I'm like, what are we doing? And I'm just like, ah. Oh.
1: You, you know, and this was after we see Stafford do what he did to the Bucks. For I mean, what was seconds. there, thir- 33 seconds on the clock or something like that when Stafford marched him down? You know, so we already saw something unbelievable, and then you...
0: at least that was a blown coverage. Like, yeah, they right? Let, they let Coop, yeah, they let Cup get behind uh, the secondary, which you're never supposed oh. to do on that. Um, but this was just like they kept everything in front, and then but they were they were acting like they didn't know what to do. It's just very weird. They just let Kelsey just run twenty five yards up the field, and I'm like, before anybody even touched him.
3: Yeah, I had a couple of uh, PTSD uh, flashbacks from that. It's like, cover Kelsey. It's all you have to do. All Browns fans, you know, bringing it back to the Browns. Even just cover Kelsey, play. man. Like, yeah, just get on him. Come on, Wilson. It's like, but it's, you know, I think, I really think this uh, past weekend, you guys have all said it, but I think it was one of the more entertaining playoff sequences I've ever seen. I mean, I I mean, the three game three games into it, I was 0-3 you know, with my picks and stuff, you know, predicting the matchups. And uh, the last one I really wanted to be wrong, you go 0-4, but, you know, Kansas City, they just they just find a way to win. I think that's a testament to that coaching staff, you know, Andy Reid and that gang of uh, – uh, that staff he's able to just keep together, you know, and that uh, just plays a big part in it.
1: All right, before, before we get to the Yard Dogs mailbag question, I want to ask each of you guys, who, who, who ends up going to the Super Bowl? Um, so who's going to win this weekend? Bengals uh, or Chiefs? I'll start with you, Mac. Bengals or Chiefs? Who's going to the Super Bowl? I,
2: I mean, it, it's, it's going to be Chiefs. Um, you know, there's no way, no way that Andy Reid loses to the Bengals twice in one year. Uh, I mean, outside of Belichick, um, he's had the most, um, like, conference title games in his own stadium um so it, it's just i mean he has a chance to set history and i don't think he's going to let anybody stop him i hills healthy and he's going to be 100% i mean he he'll probably had one of his best games you know uh last week and you know barring any any other health concerns plus you have to add in um you know chris jones who's one of the best you know interior defensive players out there and that's where the Bengals really struggle You know, in between the tackles, especially giving up nine sacks um, Mm -hmm. to a guy um, to a defensive line like Tennessee. Now, granted, Mike Vrabel runs a very good defense, very stout defense, um, but nothing compared to that uh, Chiefs defensive line. So I I definitely now I I think it's going to be a little bit closer game, um, but I I would say Chiefs by 10.
1: So Chiefs fans should wear their umbrella hats, especially the ones that are sitting (laughs) below the skyboxes so they don't get the champagne. Oh. Bath after the game. <laughs>
2: well, <I laughs> uh, Kevin, earlier, if if I would be upset that somebody would spray me with champagne if the Browns won, and, and I I shot him back with this, you, you know, I, I'm a guy that's lived in New- northeastern Ohio all my life for 26 years. I waterproof all my gear with spray the night before before I even go out there because Lord knows, I mean, I don't even pay attention to the weather report anymore. Lord knows what that what that storm is going to look like that next morning so i'm i'm already waterproofed with my hat all the way so you're good to go so yeah i I don't even need a hat or a poncho
1: you're good all right uh kevin who's going to the super bowl in the AFC? chiefs or Bengals?
3: yeah i i really think the chiefs are gonna uh end up going you know uh for a number of reasons i think they're just more skilled overall uh they've been there before um but you know uh, the Bengals winning would really be uh, just a huge, uh, you know, like just an overall shift in like how the NFL has been played this past year. And, uh, but, you know, with my background, you know, I don't like the Reds. I don't like the Bearcats. I don't like their soccer team playing up against Columbus. I, I hate Cincinnati. So I have a little bit of a bias. So uh, they may be in Ohio, but I still see them kind of as a Northern Kentucky. So I'll take the Chiefs, and you know what? I've, I've been wrong this entire year, so maybe the Bengals will win because I picked the Chiefs. So that's all.
1: Mikey P, what do you think, man?
0: I think the Chiefs are probably you know they're, they're gonna they're gonna pull it out. I I just I think Cincinnati's magic runs out this week. Do
1: that's you guys a, think it'll be up a up close game? game? I think it
0: will be a close game.
1: I think yeah. It'll be I, yeah,
3: think. yeah I think it'll be down to the wire.
1: Okay, well we we know when when you have a close game anything can happen. Right? So, we'll, it's going to be a good game. Right? You
3: need a little bit of luck in the playoffs.
1: You a need a little, bit of, little bit of luck and who knows. The Bengals <laughs> could have the the luck on lady luck on their side when they pretty when pretty. they face the Chiefs. Let's move to the NFC side of the 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 football field. Uh, 49ers are facing the Rams. You know, uh 49ers are they're, they're they're a great football team. Um they I think they're exciting to watch, you know, this past weekend was low scoring, but uh you know, I thought the defense was good. Jimmy G, you know, he he might have some magic left in him. What do you guys think? Uh, Mikey P, I'll start with you.
2: Uh
0: I mean, I think it's hard to beat a team 3 times in a season, even though the the 49ers have dominated the Rams recently. I think they're on some like six game or eight game winning streak against them uh it just seems ironic that tampa bay last year during a COVID season gets to play at home during the super bowl and now you're potentially gonna have the rams could play in the super bowl it just just feels just feels like the rams are destined to win this game so i'm gonna yeah. I'll go
3: yeah, I completely agree. Kevin. You know, I, I, that was, that was going to be my point. You know, uh, I really think that, uh, the Rams have the advantage just because that's what the league wants, you know? And I know that's not, I mean, they play the game on the field, but I really think it's going to be Rams chiefs in the Super Bowl. Um, but you know what, maybe we'll see something from the 49ers that we didn't see last week. Maybe, you know, they have a great coaching staff and, um, they could pull it off. But I just don't see it right now. I think it's uh, Rams-Chiefs Super Bowl.
1: And we'll end with you, Mac.
2: It, I, I mean, it, it's hard at this point in the year um, to say anything bad about the Rams' defense because they've really heated heat up, um, especially Vaughn Miller um, and Aaron Donald. Uh, one of them has 16 pressures. The other has 11. I'm not sure which. i kind of confused. But, um, you know, they terrorized Brady. They made Kyler look like, you know, he hasn't even seen the football field <laughs> Uh, and it was, it, it's one of those things. Now I, I will say this. Um, I have the Rams as my pick. The only variable here is Andrew Whitworth. Uh, now he was out last week. If he is out again this week, um, I give San Francisco just because i uh, Kyle Shanahan is a very good coach. I mean, he maximizes the most out of his players, even when he was an offensive coordinator in Cleveland. Uh, I mean, he made, you know, Brian Hoyer looked like the next (laughs) city of Cleveland QBs. So, um, you know, I would say Rams, uh, but again, if Whitworth doesn't start, uh, you you know, I I would have to go with the 49ers.
1: You know, before the season started, I predicted OBJ would be in the Super Bowl. I just didn't know it would be in a Rams uniform. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Just, yeah, I'm going to go with the Bengals and Rams in the Super Bowl. That's who I think is going to make it. Bengals okay. and Rams. So it's going to be a fun weekend of football. We're all going to be witnessing it. Um, you know, hopefully we stay safe, stay warm right in front of the TV set, watching, watching our football. Let's get to the Browns mail, uh, Yard Dogs mailbag. Our Facebook viewers have been talking about this. I actually, uh, let me read it off my phone. This is a Browns fandom question. All right, both of you guys have basically you've been a fan since 1999, since the Browns came back. Mikey P and I, uh, a little bit older. You know, I, I've been a Browns fan since the 1980s. Mikey P, you're you're right there too. Um, yeah, eighty, eighty,
0: eighty three is like the or eighty. I'm sorry, eighty five is like the first season I remember.
1: My, yeah, yeah, I, I was right around there. Bert, definitely during Bernie Kosar. But this question comes from. Patches hula, hula Um his Twitter at.
4: <laughs>
1: did I say that wrong?
4: I mean, if you can His
1: his ad is at o c m e d i c r n. He's a friend of the show. He's he's been watching the show. He actually turned us on to Chad Patterson. He was our guest uh, two weeks ago, and uh, it was because of Patches O'Houlihan. I hope I'm saying that right. He's, there you uh, got it. The <laughs> there we go. But he asked a, a Twitter question. Um, this is my question for the show. Why do you still stand behind the Browns even after all the ups and downs, not just in the past few years, but throughout the rebuild from 1999? We, we have had some ups and downs. So he's asking us, gentlemen, you know, why are we still behind the Browns? Well, and
3: for me, it's just that my, uh, my family roots, uh, all we were just brought up here in Cleveland and it's like, why, why would I root for another city to have fun and succeed and have happiness? You know, um, even though my time with being a Browns fan has been, uh, 95% misery, uh, who else am I going to root for? You know, uh, my, my dad told me stories growing up about Bernie and the cardiac kids and, um, and Dean Perry slamming down Bradshaw, and it's just, uh, or not Dean, uh, what was his name, uh, that defensive tackle, that slammed.
4: At Turkey
3: no, Jones. Yeah, Turkey Jones, Dean Perry. I've been playing Madden too much. Uh, <laughs> and, but I, I, why would I root for any other city, you know? And uh, Cleveland has just been my love this whole time. And, you know, it's, I mean, I wouldn't have it any other way. All this, I think it builds character, too. All this uh, oh it builds a hell of a lot of character, buddy.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Mac,
1: let's go to you, buddy.
2: So um my thing is and I I remember seeing that comment uh because I believe somebody um commented that on Twitter as well. And I, I was kind of thinking about it as I was setting up um you, you know my setup here. And if the Browns win the Super Bowl, you know, at one point in time, it will be the greatest comeback in any sport in terms of overall franchises, I mean, you have to think about a franchise such as Cleveland, you know, they were dominant in the sixties. Um, they came through and they had a couple appearances in the AFC championship in the eighties. Couldn't quite get there. And then you had them leave in 95 due to Art Modell. And, you know, I can say plenty of things on about him, but um, so they come back, they have an owner by the name of Land- Randy Lerner, who oh. wasn't even interested in football. Okay. Fashion, he was, Villa. Yeah, yeah. Villa he was, he, he was, a, he was a soccer nut. Um, and up until now, granted, they had that freak season in 2007. Um, but up until about 2013, the Browns weren't even competitive. Like they just didn't. And it was, it was from a clear talent t- standpoint. I, I mean, in terms of all the dysfunction that they've had to go through, and in terms of you know where they've had, they've had staff outbreaks. You know, in in the training facilities. So, if they can somehow get this together and win the Super Bowl, or even just go back to the AFC Championship again, it would mean more. In now, and even like look at this, that playoff win over Pittsburgh. That was the greatest Cleveland game I've ever seen in my entire life, and I will put that like I will die on that hill. Um, and it's just it. And, it, and it, it's funny because um, especially like living in PA for four years during college, um, you know, all my friends would ask me that same question, why are you still a Browns fan? And I go, okay, watch the game. A touchdown is like three game wins to us at that point in 2017. Mm-hmm. So it, it's, um, it definitely means a lot more. Um, you, you know, every single fan who was a Browns fan, like it, it wasn't by choice. We were all brought into this one way or another by a family member or a friend, or you know, it was it was on TV. And again, if they end up winning this, it will be the greatest sports story of all time. So I'm just here for the ride.
1: Good, good stuff, Mikey P. I
0: mean, man, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> uh, the the day the Browns win a Super Bowl is just going to be epic. Just. <laughs> I I can't even imagine it. Like I think that's why it hurts so much to cuz I always kind of look at Buffalo as being the uh kind of the the Lake Erie brother of mm-hmm. of the Cleveland Browns. So like even that loss on Sunday for me, like I kind of it felt like a Browns loss almost.
1: Yeah. I I know for for me I share the, the Browns, uh, you know, me and my dad, we share that bond. You know, my dad's a huge Browns fan, grew up that way. Because of him, I became a Browns fan. You know, Mikey P., you're talking about 1985 is when you started following the Browns. One of my first real memories uh, of being a Browns fan was when Ernest Biner fumbled the football in the playoffs I I remember my dad, he was jumping up and down. Oh my gosh, the Browns are going to the Super Bowl. He he was yelling and screaming. I'm sitting there watching this. And then he fumbles the football. And all of a sudden, we're not going to the Super Bowl. And I watched my dad literally throw up in the toilet. You know, he, he physically couldn't handle the highs and lows were too much for him. He, you know, he went from cheering, we're going to the super bowl to all of a sudden we're out of the playoffs and it was too much for him. And I physically, I, he physically threw up in the toilet. So that was one of my first memories of being a Browns fan. So I knew how serious it was, how I saw passion in my dad and he transferred that to me. And ever since then it didn't matter when or loss I was watching every game that I could. I mean, when I was younger, you couldn't watch every game on TV. I lived out of market, but I would follow the team. I, I subscribed to, um, you know, the Browns news illustrated, I think it's called, I, I got this delivered to my house. I'd read the sports oh, yeah. page. Um, it's just, it was in my blood and it's never died. And and one of the things that I've always appreciated about Brown's Twitter is for the first time in my life, I was able to interact with other Brown's fans. And that was like gold to me, you know, because before Brown's Twitter, I, I, you know, I just, you know, people go, Oh, that's Jason, the Brown's fan. That's because I was the only Brown's fan they ever knew. (laughs) So, you know, the answer to your question, that's a great question you know browns fandom is different for everybody but one thing that i noticed in everybody's statement is we're all extremely passionate about our football team whether we win or lose it doesn't matter we're, we're going to be there every single sunday and every single year and you're right mikey p when the browns do win the super bowl and mac you said as well kevin when they do win that super bowl buddy i mean it's going to be the the greatest show on earth i mean can you imagine the streets of cleveland mikey p we talked about it man the, the the parade are you kidding me that, that there's going to be millions of people there millions of people it, um it and be,
3: all of similar, us will be there it'll be similar to uh like that uh famous picture of uh when the yeah uh, the parade, came, yeah, the, the, yeah. Well, no when the uh troops came home from world war ii with the <laughs> in the middle of the street i mean every yeah. really think once the browns win we are we're going to have about 8 million people downtown and just hugging and cops are drinking and it's just going to be an all-out. Hopefully the city doesn't burn down, but you know what? It would be just just one before I die, you know? That's what you got to live by. And that's all we – what we just want one. That's all we ask.
2: Well, I, I don't know um, if you guys were around uh, during the Cavs title run um, in 2016, uh, yeah. but I, I actually – me and my buddy we used to take trips up from Warren during for every single game of that series and we we came up here game seven we didn't think it, like anything in the world we're like 30 chance cabs actually pull this off they pull it off we're running through the streets we're high-fiving cops people are climbing on top of fire trucks and then we went there a couple days later for the parade and it was absolutely mm-hmm. nuts so i'm just thinking to myself okay you know, this isn't even a Cavs town. Now, granted, you, you know we do love our Cavs basketball here in Cleveland, but this is a football town. I mean, the Browns were here before everybody else, and it's the number one thing in terms of sports here in this city. So I can only imagine what it would be like. if Oh, it would
0: be, oh, it, would be it would be insane! Like just just
1: you know, and being being the fan of any football team, it doesn't matter what team it is you're not promised anything. You know, you could be the fan of the Kansas city chiefs. You're not promised the super bowl or even for them to go to the super bowl. we, We hope that happens. And you know, so us being Browns fans, you know we're not promised anything I mean we're there through the thick and the thin and the and you guys I mean all of us all four of us most of our lives it's been downs <laughs> very few ups uh but we're starting to see signs that we're going up and and you know it's starting to get exciting it really is this is the most exciting um, part of my fandom journey ever i mean i'm I'm so excited right now about the Cleveland Browns
3: yeah, and uh, I I would just like right now for them to win the division. They haven't done that since I was three years old. So let's just start there. Let's let's do baby steps, you know. <laughs>
0: Amen, <laughs> 19, brother. Nineteen eighty-nine.
3: Yep. Or was it? I thought it was ninety-four.
0: That was ninety-eighty-eighty-nine. We actually oh, were the wild card in '94.
2: Yeah, '94 was the last playoff win before last year.
3: Oh, okay. So I was negative two. Okay, never mind. So they haven't. They haven't won it in my lifetime. They haven't. Won yeah, '89.
2: '89
0: was the last. Uh, yep. Last year they won a division. That was
2: back in the Central, um, Central days, Correct. where
0: the you, you know the
2: uh, Houston Oilers
0: were in yep. the. So technically, they've never won or never won a NFC uh, North.
2: Yeah.
1: That's crazy. Well, guys, we are up against it. We we've uh, we've gone over our hour. You know, <laughs> maybe we have a couple people still listening. I don't know, but this has been fun. I like to give all of our guests a chance to give themselves a plug. Where can we find you on social media, Kevin? I'll start with you.
3: Yeah, uh, you can find me on social media at a big Kev, A H big Kev. Uh, also, uh, hashtag Big Kevin Sports. If you put in Big Kevin Sports, you can find me Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, everywhere else. And uh, thank you guys so much for having me. And uh, this is a really, really fun time. You guys are doing something special. And uh, I mean, I've been a fan for a while when you, before you were messaging me. Uh, but you guys are doing something that's special and outside of the box. So appreciate you for having me on. But uh, Big Kevin Sports, that's where you can find me.
1: There you go. Big Kevin Sports. And Mac, where can we find you on social media? Um, so
2: at uh, the underscore Buffalo, T-H-A underscore Buffalo um, on my profile. I actually have been running a new blog that I started a couple months ago, theclevelandstampede.com. So if you're ever in the, you know, in around the web and you're just looking for another opinion to read, um, about some sports columns you're more than welcome to uh, I also have a Facebook page uh, the Cleveland stampede so more than welcome to like and follow there um, but I'm always around Brown's Twitter um, you know nine times out of ten if you see that the hashtag Browns you know I'm more than likely using it and I'm always trying to get in discussion um, so if there's any you know any conversations that want to be started I'm always here perfect
1: and did I see on your Twitter uh, bio you're looking to get into sports, uh, Cleveland media?
2: Yes, uh, correct. A it, writer my, for okay. Yeah my my biggest thing is is that um you know one of the now I don't I don't want to say I have few joys in life because um, I always try to live life to the fullest but one of the one of the things that I love more than anything is Cleveland football and uh, my my dream my goal is the one day work for the Cleveland Browns, whether that's covering them working within the building. So I've always been trying to kind of build up my profile here. Um, A lot of, a lot of good people on Browns Twitter, you know, people, uh, you know, people say that the, uh, there's a large portion that's toxic. I don't, I don't really believe in it. I think it's just a kind of vocal minority. Um, a lot of the people that I've met from Brown's Twitter have been absolutely kind to me, and kind to the work that I, that I put in, the content that I put out there. So um, not only thank, thank you know, thankful for you guys and the Yard Dog podcast, but also all of my followers out there, all 1,800 of you guys, if any of you guys are listening, thank you. Um, I, I mean, I never would have pictured one day that I would actually have a decent following and, you know, a good amount of people liking my stuff. I think that's really cool. And just the fact that I get to interact with Browns fans, you, you know, all day, I shouldn't say, or I shouldn't say all day, but you know, throughout the day, um, I just, I just think it's great. I'm always having a great time talking Browns.
1: Well, that's awesome. I'm going to speak on behalf of myself and Mikey P. Um. When I say, it, man, it, this is why we do a podcast—to—to to get around Browns fans like you. This has been an absolute pleasure. You know, I—I I forgot to look at the time. We usually like to keep the the show to about an hour. We've had we had so much fun. We covered so many topics that time just flew. And here it is. We're we're an hour and a half into it. I I personally don't want it to end, but it has to, because uh, I don't know. It just has to. <laughs> Well, we keep on. No, um, Mikey, P, do you have any final words before we end this uh, thing? Man,
0: uh, it, it's it's great to have you guys on and, and talk to fellow Browns fans and um you know share our passion and and, and talk about what we love and um you know we do this because we want to, not because we're getting paid to or uh, we have to. So um it's it's always it's always good to talk. And I think you know if any of you Cleveland media do ever listen, if you do, just remember. Uh, uh, cherish what you have, because you have well said. You, you have an awesome job and the ability to to speak to others and get a message out there. So, just remember uh, what you have is great, and uh, don't be so negative all the time.
1: Well negative. said, well said. And your audience, that you know the 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 Browns media audience, the Browns fans. I mean, what a <laughs> it doesn't get any better, man. I mean, th- this fan base is incredible, and I'm with you, Mac. I don't think Twitter's I mean, it could be a toxic place, but I like to think of it like a grocery store. You don't go in a grocery store and buy everything on every single aisle. You pass by stuff and you pick out the things that you want. That's the way I do with Twitter. You mm-hmm. know, there's some some things I just keep on scrolling. You know, I see what that's all about. I'm like, ah, I'm gonna skip by that one. But I'll I'll get into interactions that are fun, that are positive. Um, so that's that's where I stand with that. agree. Well, well, I like to end all the podcasts with the Go Browns. And we have four guys here that are going to help me out. So uh, on the count of three, we'll do a Go Browns. We'll do it now. One, two, three. Go 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 Browns!